0: Hello, I'm Doreen Ampofo. This is Climate Change in Us, Ghana Ground Zero, is a podcast on the complex intersection between climate change and society.
1: I am Diana Kufo. <laughs> These farmers are doing something a bit unique. They are doing what insects normally do. They are pollinating their cocoa plants by hand. This is something we're going to look at today. How climate change is affecting the ecosystem and threatening Ghana's cocoa industry. We're going to talk more about this, but first,
0: some background. Ghana is a leading global producer of cocoa after its neighbour Côte d'Ivoire. Before the COVID-19 pandemic disrupted production, the country was producing about 800,000 tons annually. Despite facing multiple challenges including aging farms, the country experienced a net rise in cocoa production for decades. The crop is today the largest agriculture export and the mainstay of the Ghanaian economy but all that could change
1: rainfall and sunshine which are critical for a good harvest have become erratic with adverse impacts on the health of cocoa trees the most threatening impact in the last several decades is the disappearance of pollinators the insects that cross male and female
0: flowers to produce cocoa pods yet that is not all. In this episode of the podcast we will take a deep dive into the impact of climate change on Ghana's cocoa sector. We look at the desperate
1: steps the government and farmers have taken to keep the production up and question whether
0: these measures will hold up for long. And yan our journey begins with our colleague Evelyn Ador at a cocoa farm in the western part of the country. Now Evelyn has been investigating what one might call Ghana's cocoa reproductive health problems.
2: I'm
3: in Ghana's western region. This is one of the wettest parts of the country. Abundant rain and sunshine are the reasons hundreds of acres of cocoa farms Blankets the countryside. Around me, bunches of green pots hang delicately from cocoa tree trunks and branches. In a few months, they will ripen and turn bright yellow. To ensure a good harvest, this plant must receive rain and sunshine in the right amount and at the right times of the year. Any disturbance in the yearly change of seasons could affect the crop badly. And unfortunately, that's exactly what's been happening in recent years. Both rainfall and sunshine have become unpredictable. Temperatures have reached unbearable
4: highs. It doesn't rain when it is supposed to.
3: Pauline Sappho has been cultivating cocoa for 27 years. Like all the other farmers I've spoken to, she tells me the climate that helped the cocoa farms here flourish for decades is no longer what it used to be.
4: At the time when the cocoa trees are ready to bear fruits, it can rain so much so that it destroys the flowers, which means the farmer cannot get any substantial yield. The heat from the sun can sometimes be extreme and destroy the trees because the cocoa tree cannot withstand it. It also makes the tree vulnerable to pests like black pots.
3: An attack of black pot disease is every cocoa farmer's worst fear. It is caused by a fungus and infects every part of the cocoa plant, pots, stems, flowers and young shoots. They get worse when the rains fall when they shouldn't or persist longer than they should. Annually, losses due to black pod disease reach 450,000 tons globally. That's about half of all the cocoa produced in Ghana in 2020.
0: Now tell me, Evelyn, why is cocoa so vulnerable to climate change?
3: Well, Doreen, cocoa production is what experts call a climate-sensitive sector. Because cocoa depends on perfect climatic conditions, a slight change in rainfall and sunshine can have devastating impact on the harvest. If those changes persist for years, production could become so low that cocoa farming is no longer worthwhile.
4: Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, the pandemic has taught us... In
3: 2021, I travelled to Scotland, where world leaders were meeting to negotiate the best ways to respond to climate change.
4: We come to Glasgow with global ambition to save our people, one of the
3: questions on my mind was how badly climate change was affecting Koko. Glasgow is wet and cold in November. On the sidelines of hundreds of meetings and the occasional protests by activists, I met Dr. Nchubu Esiako, who works with Ghana's Environmental Protection Agency. Dr. Buesiaku was the lead negotiator for Ghana at the conference. He specializes in climate change adaptation, actions that farmers like those I spoke to can undertake to weather the impact of climate change. He told me that Ghana's cocoa sector has come under intense climatic shocks recently.
2: Climate change and agriculture is an issue because agriculture in Ghana is mainly rain-fed. When I say rainfall, it means that it depends on rainfall. Apart from its dependence on rainfall, I think the farm sizes are also peasant, very small holder farming systems.
3: And Dorin, that means they are very small and highly vulnerable to all kinds of shocks, particularly sudden bursts of rainfall or prolonged droughts.
2: Apart from they having issues with drought, floods, and so on and so forth, There are other challenges that also come with it, including insects and then also pets. Even fire, which is sometimes when the weather is also too warm.
3: And Doreen, if you can imagine, it gets even worse. Meet the Ceratopogonid mage. It's a tiny black insect that pollinates the cocoa flower. Climate change is destroying their population. No mages, no cocoa. To find out why these majors are dying off, I made a long trip to the other side of the country, to the eastern region, where researchers have been trying to make sense of the many interconnected problems that affect cocoa yields. I am traveling to meet Dr. Emos Kwe, a researcher at the Cocoa Research Institute of Ghana in Tafo. I want him to explain to me why Ghana has a cocoa pollination problem. The Cocoa Research Institute of Ghana is tagged in the hillside. Offices and residences sit side by side with plots of experimental farms and nurseries. Here, Researchers are investigating both ancient and more recent varieties of cocoa. There is even a gene bank here. I met Dr. Quay as he left for his routine tour of the experimental farms.
0: In plants, when flowers form, they need the pollen grains from the male flower to fertilize the female flower. And that normally happens naturally, either by air or by birds or by insects. In cocoa, the best insect that does that job
3: Midgets are tiny insects that can be easily mistaken for mosquitoes. As they fly from flower to flower in search of nectar, they pick up and drop off pollen. Without this process, cocoa flowers are unable to grow into cocoa pods which contain cocoa beans.
0: With the changing climate, the midgets are not producing enough. Their population is not becoming enough and therefore they are not pollinating
3: our cocoa. So humans
0: have stepped in. And you know, as they say, desperate times call for desperate measures. Farmers are now doing the job of measures one cocoa flower at a time. You remember the farmer
3: Safu we met earlier? Like many farmers, she has switched to hand pollination. Hand pollination is a painstaking process where a person removes the petal from a male blossom revealing the center stamen. Pollen clings to the stamen. That pollen is then transferred to the pistil or the female part of the plant. It is a high precision process and some farmers have seen productions rebound.
4: When this hand pollination was introduced, people like me didn't understand why or know its benefits. So we were stuck with the old system of natural pollination. We were reluctant to adapt it. However, as time passed, we realized yields were not improving, particularly for those of us who were allowing the cocoa to pollinate naturally. We were losing out against those who had already adopted hand pollination. I decided to go in for hand pollination, and truth be told, we all saw the difference. Our trees were yielding up to three times more than what we used to get. Hand
3: pollination has been praised by farmers and experts alike. Because of its high precision, it has led to a rapid increase in yields. It is not only cushioning farmers from the impact of climate change, but also increasing farmers' revenue and helps them escape poverty. It is more work, but farmers feel compensated by the high
4: returns. After seeing how much my colleague farmers who had adopted hand pollination were making, I was very convinced to switch however for the year 2020 and 2021 governments did not hand pollinate our trees so we couldn't get much yields but during the time they hand pollinated our cocoa the yields were massive this was to the extent that i was awarded the best female farmer in my area
1: Evelyn fascinating and important Doreen you wanted to take a look at how cocoa affects the economy of Ghana what did you find
0: well Diane, as you and most people from Ghana know cocoa is synonymous with our country now, we are the second leading producer of cocoa in the world Ghana as a nation depends on cocoa I met with Charles Burfo who is a development specialist in the cocoa sector
2: an adage which is been said in Ghana. When they say cocoa, they say Ghana because we are the second producing country um, in the world. And it tells you clearly that um, Ghana hugely depend on cocoa. We are doing almost about $2 billion on an annual basis um, into cocoa. It's also the employment that it provides in the sector. Almost about, we, the literature talks about 800,000 plus um, people who are directly or indirectly um, Uh, Linked to cocoa um, as their livelihood.
0: Climate change is drastically affecting the cocoa sector as we speak. Unless there are drastic changes worldwide to our ever-changing world climate, a collapse of the economy of Ghana is not a fiction. And like in most of the world, who feel its effects first and most dramatically? Women. Here's Ntubo Isiako again, who works with Ghana's Environmental Protection Agency.
2: The exposure of the vulnerabilities, the, the hazards are the same for men and women, but the women issue becomes uh, more complicated because some of them actually um, don't have any other source of livelihood apart from the agriculture related activities. And so if they are not able to farm all year round... They don't have alternative livelihood, and it affects their survival. Um, Women, in most of the cases, are also, you have families where you have women as um, household heads. In this case, they take care of the house, the children, and everybody who is in there. Sometimes they don't even have the land in the first place.
0: You know, Deanne and Evelyn, as I listen to your great reporting, I am struck by the fact that we are just kicking the can down the road. It is only a matter of time when hand pollination will become ineffective. Absolutely, Doreen.
3: Experts have told me this is not a
0: sustainable
3: solution. Artificially increasing yields will eventually destroy the bearing capacity of cocoa trees. It could also destroy the tree's natural defense against climatic and pest changes and render them even more vulnerable. Hand pollination promotes what experts call self-pollinating, which lowers genetic diversity and sometimes the range of cocoa varieties. I think Doreen said it best.
1: We are just kicking the can further down the road. Hand pollination is not a long-term solution. Action on a global scale to address climate change must be taken as soon as possible.
0: Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero is put together by young Ghanaian broadcasters and community advocates. Diane
3: Kufu, Philip Latte, Evelyn Addo. Yvonne Atilego.
0: Doran Ampofo. The podcast is produced by Eugene Fungwa.